Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this conversation, I'm joined by Lucy McDonald. Lucy's conversation is all about honesty. It's about authenticity, transparency, integrity. So it's all stuff that I love and things by which I try to live my own life too. We talk about how she ended up having such an honest life and, you know, reflecting on how we are as children, where we learn that you can't tell a lie and I really resonate with that and how that brings you through your life and having respectful relationships is something that is really important to Lucy in all areas of her life. It's a fantastic conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Lucy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Anne. Uh-huh. I'm excited to be speaking to you. Tell us a wee bit about you. So I live in Glasgow. I'm a mum of two girls and I work for Safe Lives, which is a domestic abuse charity. Um, we care about making everybody's business so that women can find their way to the right support at the right time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and that's how I actually know you're friends with my sister, who does lots of work in that area as well. And that's how I know you and how you've got in touch with me. So I'm excited to know, given the work that I know that you do and the importance of the work that you do, what do you know for sure? So what I know for sure is that being honest is absolutely the best way to be. Mm. Tell us, how do you know that? Uh, well, for me, and um, that kind of started from a really young age. So I just always remember my mum saying to me as a wee girl, honesty is the best policy, Lucy. You know, whatever you've done, whatever's happened, however you feel, just tell me and be honest about it yeah. and it will be okay. So it's kind of been instilled on me since then. And I've got some funny stories, you know, significant birthdays. My dad wields a letter that I wrote when I was about six or seven saying, I am so sorry I spilled, spelled wrong, your fish food. Mm-hmm. And apparently I put it in an envelope and I left it at the front door so that when he got home, it was the first thing that he saw. Now, the fish food had been cleared up. There was no issue, but I just wanted to be really open and honest about it. And uh-huh. my parents thought this was hilarious. But for me, it's something that I've just always wanted to do is be really upfront. We used to call me the news of the world. And I was a wee girl in the family because I would tell everybody everything. And parents' nights were mortifying because my mum would come and look at my news jotter and I'd have told everything that had ever happened that year uh, at home. Nothing horrible, right. obviously, but just like uh-huh. things that, you know, that I've shared that uh, my mum would be like, okay, I didn't know that you'd shared that in your news jotter, uh-huh. but that's fine. Aye, and um, I can really resonate. Our mum was exactly the same. So I, even to this day, I, I can't really, I'm a rubbish liar. It's all written all over my face. My face tells you what's going on inside, yep. you know, and that's yep. why I sometimes struggle with people where their face and their voice are saying two different things. And I think, I don't get on with that person. I don't know what they mean. So yeah. I can totally, like, I, I'm no very yeah. good liar either, I have to say. I, have, I definitely have to say that. And so how does it show up now in your life if we're referring to being a kid and how it got instilled in you? How does that honesty or desire, I would imagine, for other people to be honest as well, how does that show up in yep. your life today? All the time and very significantly. So it's something that has sits more comfortable with me now. I'd say like as a teen and a young adult, there was I learned lessons about that honesty because it didn't always work. You know, I wasn't I wasn't a very fun teen and because you know I couldn't lie to my parents. I didn't really help my friends to lie either. <laughs> and being two faced and, and 
that she is something that I, I've never really been able to tolerate and we all have a wee moan but I've always struggled with that you know saying one thing to somebody's face and saying something different behind their back so I would say when I was younger it was something that I learned a few lessons about mm-hmm. you know maybe being a bit more measured in your honesty as well and, yeah. and how you approach that because sometimes you can hurt by being so honest and you've got to be aware of that even if it comes from a good place but now that I'm older it's something that I feel really really comfortable with it's as an adult in my personal and my professional life as a mum and a partner um, and through my work I find that being honest and authentic and open and transparent is fundamental to who I am because for me that shows integrity and and it's how I build respectful relationships with people around me. So it's definitely something that's, that's that stays with me and, and influences how I respond to things all the time. Yeah. And I mean, you're saying some of my favourite words there about authenticity, about transparency, about integrity. These are things that are real drivers of mine as well. And I think... Yeah. It definitely dictates how I live my life because if I feel people aren't being authentic and they aren't being transparent and they don't have integrity, then I don't actually want to spend time with them. I don't want to do work with them. I don't want to collaborate with them in in the work I do because I I work for myself and I can easily part ways, therefore, and I I just go off down my own line. But I know that certainly what you, you do in your work, it's such an important big thing. So how does authenticity and transparency work in your life today you know not just for you but how you experience it for others okay so in my personal life as a parent it really sort of drives you know my parenting approach and as a my partner's approach as well and that's come up in quite funny ways recently you know I've got a six-year-old who a couple of weeks ago wanted to talk to me because she'd heard a bad word from somewhere and wanted to talk it through now and it was a proper red zone bad word and she came to me and said it and said I'm really worried that I've heard this now and I might you know blurt it out and it's there in my head and what should I do about it and you know I was a wee bit shocked by this because it's a baby (laughs) but actually when I reflected I thought do you know that was brave of her to Uh do that and kind of test out my response so um I'm quite proud that, that she did that um, and I've got a, my older daughter's approaching kind of adolescence and she's very open with me about her feelings and changes and all that kind of things that's going on and has asked me some really toe-curling questions about that, which I probably wouldn't and didn't ask my own parents when I was wee. Yeah. Again, although I find that quite um, hard to approach, I feel really proud that you know she can do that and so it creates a real sense of honesty and trust so in my personal life with as a mum then I think it's been an advantage because mm-hmm. I've got a nice open relationship with my kids and I hope that continues I know I've got a few years ahead of me where that oh, could change you know, years. But, <laughs> I, uh, but I feel that's that's in my professional life again it comes up all the time and you know I do think that lack transparency for lots of different reasons fear is a is a, is a big one and, and of course that that shouldn't be sort of underplayed at all but sometimes agenda strategy competition competitiveness can lead to a lack of transparency and I find that problematic you know in my experience being honest just being authentic whether that means hearing things you don't want to hear or saying things that you know might not always land that well I feel like what it does is enable people to start from a place of respect and trust and build upon that. And you were saying earlier, like, you, you don't want to work with people that you don't find authentic and transparent. And 
I, I, I totally hear that, but I also feel it could be workable if, if yeah. both, of, you know, both parties and both sides of the conversation, if you like, were willing to kind of, you know, expose themselves a wee bit and have that mm-hmm. warts and all conversation and, and just be upfront about it, and then you've got a building block of trust and respect yep. um, to take forward. And I, just, I think it's a shame that that you know that often doesn't happen mm-hmm. as, as much as it could do. Yeah, and you talked about there, it, it's probably fear. And I think, you know, one of my great teachers that I love listening to used to always say that every decision you make either comes from a place of love or a place of fear. And I get, I can get that. You know, I'm way over in my yeah. happy stuff here, but I get that. So where there is fear, there is a calling upon to be brave, isn't there? And you talked about how your, your six-year-old was brave <laughs> in doing what she'd yeah. done. Do you feel brave? Lucy, and how you live your life and how you work. Do I? I don't know. Maybe as I'm older, I would recognise more of my actions as being maybe a wee bit more courageous than I would have thought before. I think it's, well, for me, it's not about showing that that courage. For me, it's just about being super clear and super transparent and being true to myself and, and not letting people down by not being honest with me. Is that brave? It's nice to think that it might be, but you know, it's not something that I necessarily have done because I think it it makes me look brave. It's more about for me just the integrity. It's the integrity that matters to me, Anne. You know, and having making sure that however I get to places, I've got there through the right processes, the right means, and the right conversation. And if that takes a bit longer, or you know, there's there's more barriers that way, then I'd rather do that than kind of you know working a sneaky way around it yeah so for me it's more about the integrity than being brave yeah and i think it's about recognizing isn't it and i suppose a calling to others to other women since that's who we speak to here is that what is your starting place actually because if everybody starts from a place of authenticity and transparency and integrity then we can all move get together in a good yeah. place but even if one person is starting from that place of fear competition you know if they're starting from that place then they actually disrupt the whole process don't they yeah absolutely and you know a couple of years ago someone had given me a bit of advice sort of inverted commas which was Lucy you just need to stop being so transparent and I was really quite taken aback and I kind of went away and I pondered on it for a wee while and I thought, I just need to you know what? I like being open and honest and that's that's mm-hmm. what matters to me. Um, I don't have a hidden agenda, and I really, really feel passionately about the work that we do. I really care about improving responses to domestic abuse and, and giving women what they need when they reach out for help and I'll be led by the data. I'll be led by what women tell me. That's my agenda, so I've got nothing to hide with that, and I, nothing will divert me from that. So I won't be less transparent. Yep. You know, I, I will. I will be true to that because I feel quite that that's quite an important thing to to have as your agenda rather than uh-huh. anything else. Yeah, and see, I suppose there, if we take it to that bigger picture, then, and we took it transparency, and you speaking about the women that you represent, and you know, I speak to yeah. all women, and I am for all women rising, but that lack or almost discouragement that women experience where don't tell the actual truth don't tell your friends that your relationship's broken don't tell anybody that you're maybe encountering some form of abuse or control you know just put the nice picture on instagram with a filter on it and kid on that you've got the perfect family that's a societal issue really isn't it and that's how we end up with women in these god-awful situations 
is because it was too unpalatable for the rest of society to accept what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's definitely an element. So, you know, there's times when not being totally honest and upfront is, is a lifesaver. So, yeah. you know, we need to be clear on that. So when women don't tell the truth about what's happening to them, it's, it is out of fear, isn't it, like we were saying yeah. earlier on. So we need to be careful with that. We can't expose things that would put someone at greater risk 100%. But you're right, the reason that women often feel like they can't be open and upfront about what's happening to them is because they know that they'll probably be judged. Mm-hmm. They don't know if anyone is going to be able to help them or how to access that help. There's brilliant services out there, of course, but um, women themselves might not know that. Other people around about them might not know that. So it is about, I guess, having a greater transparency about what's okay behaviour and what's not acceptable behaviour at a societal level to enable women to be able to tell us what's going on for them and then take the right approach. So I agree with you, you know, at 100% see why not always being honest about our own experiences is is appropriate or is safe. But at a societal level, um, we do need to be more open and break down the taboos and stigma around different behaviours. Yeah. You could argue that about a few things, couldn't you? It's oh. not just about men's oh. violence against women, but like mental health, you know, as well. Like yeah. it's, it's stigma and fear and things like that, which kind of creates the barriers. And those are the conversations I think we should be having really transparently to say, okay, this is the day. doesn't make anybody a bad person. It's more about, you know, just being dead up front and making clear pathways and making it okay for people. Yeah, and you brought up that big word there, that big concept of judgment didn't you? Yeah. And I think like there's so much judgment and what really upsets me is women judging other women. And interestingly doing this podcast and sometimes when somebody wants to come on and they say what kind of thing do you want me to talk about and I'm like well that's entirely up to you. I don't even need to know before you come on. It's not for me to create a vessel for women to speak their truth and then tell them what their truth is and whether or not I judge it to be worthy truth or not. But we're yeah. actually recording this when the woman of the, the body of this woman has been found in London. And we are yeah. now getting a narrative, and I've not watched the news enough today to know, but where we're now getting a narrative of she shouldn't have been walking through the park. Yeah. And even other women are saying that. And yeah. we are therefore saying she's partly responsible for the fact she is dead. Yeah. And so where do we get to a place where judgment doesn't play such a big role in how we live as human beings together do you think have you got a thought on that yeah i do so it's about shifting the blame where it firmly sits and removing the burden of that from women to where it should rightly sit which is the men who cause harm and mm-hmm. you know i've seen in twitter it's trending about not all men and you know of course it's not all men but this is a societal and global issue where it's men's violence against women and and men are key to that conversation as well. So until that is fundamentally shifted, then people will feel a sense of why did she walk home herself at night? And you know that that it's the classic response. So in order to shift that, we need to change the full narrative and how we perceive this because it's why did that man choose to do what he did? Yeah. It's not about what, what she did or didn't do. So that's where the fundamental shift needs to come from, doesn't it? And we all need to be part of that, don't we? There's the point. You know, my husband was saying this morning that he was listening to a radio interview where a man was on it saying, how can I make women feel safer in the street? And actually, why are we even talking to a man about how he can 
make women yeah. feel safer in the street because for all we know you're a predator and we're just giving you the, the <laughs> we're giving you the information or like you know when young girls start university and things and there's all these education about how to stay safe and yeah. where do we start educating men and at what age do we start educating men that they need to respect women yeah. I think the balance is put all the onus seems to be put on women to stay safe yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, I'm sure that man's coming from a good place of, okay, I want to show, like, I'm, I'm doing something here. But why should the burden be on women to tell him what's appropriate and what's not? Do you know, he needs to make that decision and, and, and build um, a dialogue with the other men in his world to make that happen rather than women having to be the ones to say, this is what you need to do and how you need to do it. Uh-huh. So again, it just always sits with burden on us, doesn't it? To it make does. sure that you know we're the ones called out and that's what needs to change, I think. And how do you you see that the world can be, Scotland can be, Glasgow can be a safer place for women? Have you got, I mean, it's a, such a huge question. And actually when I was sat and chatting to my husband about it this morning, I was like, where do you even begin? You know, where yeah. do you even begin? Yeah, so that is a huge question uh, and one that I, you know, don't have the answers to. But I do think a lot of this boils down to the, the openness and transparency. Again, because I genuinely think a lot of poor responses and poor attitudes purely come from a place of a lack of awareness. Yeah. And so if we can get to a stage where people understand what violence against women looks like, what domestic abuse is, what coercive control, how it manifests itself, if people around about us in all walks of life, you know, the general public, the wider population, have a good sense of that, then I feel like we can start to change practice, we can change policy strategy. Also, it's the cultural change as well. So for me, again, it kind of boils down to this. Let's not address it up. Let's name it for what it is. Let's make it understandable for everybody so that we can all just go, yeah, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And and that's how we change it. Um, So it's Uh a bit of awareness raising, I think. So are are you optimistic about the future being a safer place for women? I'm always optimistic, Anne. <laughs> I'm a pragmatist and I'm an optimist and I see amazing things happening around Scotland and across the UK. We have an effective voice panel of women who have experience of domestic abuse who tell us what they don't want to happen for other women in the future and we will provide a platform for those voices to try and create the change. And I think with other brilliant pockets of work like, like that going on locally and nationally up and down um, the country, then we have to assume that things will start changing. You know, when, when people have, get their voice and have a platform to share their voice, then that's when you get folk on board. Again, unintentionally, I keep going back to this idea, don't I, about being open, being honest, being transparent. And I think that's what will change it is the voice. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think it definitely is the way forward and that when we're in that place where we're not in competition and we're not judging and we're actually being honest and we're actually being authentic, that we will all rise together, you know? We will all we'll all make it out of this. But we need to do it for everybody, don't we? Yeah. We all want the same outcomes. Yeah. Fundamentally, don't we? We Uh all want the world to be a safer place. And so if we can, you know, have work to that common aim transparently and with integrity and respect, then I genuinely feel we'll get to it. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Lucy.
Thank you for having me. And you know, we normally get together on International Women's Day around that time, don't we? Um, with your wonderful sisters and some friends. So although we're not there to do it face to face, it's been really nice. To, and hopefully to the world will let us do that again soon. <laughs> really hope so. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.